that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, along with my partner in crime, the notorious P.O.B., Patrick O'Boyle, the Italian American Wikipedia himself. And we have an episode that I think both of us are very much looking forward to today because not only do we get to discuss a topic that takes us to a different part of Italian America, which we always love and I know our audience is always hungry for, but we also get to catch up with an old friend and colleague who I got to know pretty well during my time at the National Italian American Foundation and through the likes of uh, some of our board members and board chair who lived in the city of Brotherly Love, where he was the former council general. So we're going to introduce Ambassador Kanapari in just a minute. But first and foremost, Pat, uh, how happy are you to talk about a city that I know we both enjoy very much? How happy am I to talk about Philadelphia? Yeah, because you always want to get us out of the New York, New Jersey. You like the topics that take us yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I didn't see that question coming. That's why I'm, I'm trying to get my head. No, I like everywhere. Philadelphia is nice. New York is nice. Boston's but nice. You, you always tell me that it's important to you that we, you know, we represent the Italian American experience outside of where we are. Sometimes it's easy, you know. As I get older and more and more aware that New York and its surrounding provinces, North Jersey, uh, Southern Connecticut has a worldview that we are the center of the world. Yeah. But I think that we unnecessarily disregard through the arrogance that comes with Capo Mundi status, the other parts of the United States. Yeah. So in that sense, I agree. And I think there's a lot of stuff that people in New York miss out on because they don't get out there. So if you want to put it that way, you know, one of my big Philly, because we have so many Philly listeners, someone could help with this. Gabe um, from the NIAF board. Yeah, Bonanima, Gabe Batista, the former chair. Yes, Gabe always spoke of buying raviolis in Philly, and they had sugar and, I think, cinnamon in them. I know they had sugar. Wow, that's a medieval recipe. It was an Abruzzese thing. And it, it makes sense because Abruzzo and Molise is definitely the dominant culture, the dominant region of Italy that settled Philadelphia. So that would make sense. The same way it's kind of the, they're the dominant people who settled Cleveland. And they're nice, peaceful people. They don't make noise. I mean, I married one, so I'm a big advocate for the Abruzzese and Molizani. And, uh, yeah, I, I find that uh, we spent a lot of time down there as individuals, you and I. I don't think we've ever actually gone down together, maybe once for a dinner. Um, but the Italian community in Philadelphia is obviously a significant one, as Philly is a significant city on its own. See, you, cause now you put a nickel in me, I'm going to start going off. Now, I'm here thinking to myself, like, in a gastronomic sense, right, though the people in Italy are just horrified by it, but if you look at it in an anthropological sense, Philly kind of co-opted the cheesesteak as Italian-Americanized it. Yeah. Like Elizabeth, New Jersey did with the hot dog. All the players in the cheesesteak world in Philly are all Italian-Americans. But it's not an Italian-American culinary No, but we, we ap- appropriate, what's the word? What's yeah, the operators. Word? Yeah. No, no. Appropriated ap- it. Appropriated, that's it. Yeah. We appropriate, but we appropriated the hot dog in, in Elizabeth and Union and, and trickled into Newark and made the Italian hot dog. Stuff like that fascinates me. Me too. Things that are Italian-American contributions through successful marketing, successful, you know, expansion of something or exploitation of something like, you know, like the buffalo wings, right? Buffalo wings are not an Italian-American food, but they were first whipped up by an Italian-American mom who just wanted to feed her hungry family uh, in Buffalo, New York. And so 
you know. And I think that's fantastic. The beauty of Italy is you can give Italy anything and they make it better. I couldn't agree with you more. And there's actually and we made a better hot dog. We made a better, <laughs> and a better cheese steak. Yeah, I, I could not agree with, with you flow. more. Yeah, that is very true. Italians can make. I mean, look what we did for the Greeks. We made everything. They they touch better. Everything, everything. We're very good. We're we're very creative. That's very true. Like like certain countries are just a copiers. They they'll copy it better. Italy's creative, so Italy can get it and just get it better than where it was. Well, the the gentleman who we're gonna speak to today. Uh, I'm lo- I've been looking forward to introducing since we made this arrangement because, uh, first of all, like I said, I did get to know him during my time in Washington and, and doing some work in Philadelphia. He's the former council general in Philadelphia uh, for many years. He's also the former ambassador from Italy to the Dominican Republic. Now he's back in Rome, currently serving as the director general for country promotion of the Italian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So basically, his office is responsible for the internationalization of local governments, tourism, sport, Italian chambers of commerce abroad, expos, promotions of Italian design, food and beverage. So what better person to not only come on and talk about Italian influence in Philadelphia, but talk about his love of the city from spending so many years there. And he is also co-editor of the Italian Legacy in Philadelphia, History, Culture, People, and Ideas, uh, from Temple University Press in 2021. So it makes me very, very proud to uh, introduce not just a fantastic Italian champion and diplomat, but a very, very good friend, Ambassador Andrea Canapari. Ambassador, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Thank you so much, uh, John. Wonderful seeing you again. It is wonderful to see you, Ambassador. We are very, very happy for the excuse. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry that it's uh, remote through uh, through Zoom. You're, you're obviously still in Rome. You're not uh, traveling at this point, right? No, well, actually, um, I have been to New York and Philadelphia two months ago just to promote uh, uh, the Italian Legacy in Philadelphia book and another book, uh, the Italian Legacy in Dominican Republic. Wow. You have a book on the Italians in the Dominican Republic? Yes, and I have a third one about the Italian Legacy in Washington, D.C. Oh, we got a whole series on this. is This is fantastic. I had no idea there were Italians in the Dominican. See, John's going to yell at me because he wants to talk about Philly, but I got to ask my question. So there are Italians in the Dominican Republic? I knew they were in Cuba. No, actually, a big uh, big part uh, um, of the culture, uh, economy, art, uh, architecture, cuisine, of course, uh, everything of the Dominican Republic uh, is coming from Italian influence, Italian legacy, uh, Italian population that came, well, the, the, the first one that came to the Dominican Republic uh, was Christopher Columbus, so an Italian. And uh, uh, then uh, in the 19th century, a lot of merchants from Genoa, actually the, the first, uh, the same region of settlers that also um, went to, to, to the first capital of the US, Philadelphia, to, to create uh, economic uh, uh, trading uh, from, from Italy to, to the US. I mean, the same merchants came also to Dominican Republic. They invested, uh, they created uh, the social infrastructure of the country. So the first newspaper, uh, 150 years ago, the, the first everything, the first cathedral, um, everything had uh, an Italian imprint. Uh, and uh, uh, still there is a big love for Italy and the Italians, Dominican influenced uh, and, and influence uh, uh, nowadays as well, all aspects uh, uh, of life uh, in that country. So speak influence. Can we go on the road show there, John? Oh, I would love that. 
we have greetings from Italian America. I would do greetings from the DR. Italian Dominican Republic. That would be a fun episode. I love the DR. Ambassador, we should have had you on a long time ago. We would have been in the DR by now. <laughs> That's absolutely right. We yeah. could have had a whole Caribbean. John has wanted to have you on, but we wanted to have you on the right moment. Now we know. I mean, it's funny. I have a buddy of mine from uh, Fordham University that I was very close to in school and have kept in pretty decent touch with. And he actually has listened to the show a couple of times, really out of friendship. And he's told me how much he finds it interesting to see the similarities between our Italian American experience and the Dominican American experience. And he was telling me, because he's got most of his family still there, about a couple of towns that not only have deep Italian roots from their earliest uh, foundations, but are also really, really desirable destinations for Italian expats moving to the Dominican Republic or you know, spending a, a portion of their year there in the wintertime and this and that. And I found it so fascinating because... In the Spanish-speaking world, you tend to think of Argentina and uh, you know places like Uruguay, but you overlook the Spanish Caribbean as places that saw a lot of settlement. The two Sicilies, when Columbus came to the New World, everything south of Rome belonged to the same empire. That's right. We were one big happy family. For a long time. That's why there's such connections between, even linguistically, with the Dominican Republic and the south of Italy. Oh, Ambassador, I, I wish we could. I, I I have to go out later today, but I'd be here all afternoon. We could get six episodes out of this. <laughs> Let's do it. The DR and wow. But John's going to yell at me because I'm not talking about Philly. I'm going to be in the doghouse. No, no. I mean, as much as I love the city of brotherly love, I am super fascinated by discovering the Italian experience in places that, you know, we don't necessarily think of, like Chile or Peru and, you know, South Africa, places that have not necessarily been um, celebrated for it like we have or Canada or Australia and things like that or Argentina and Brazil. So, yeah, I'm all about digging deep into that. And I have to say, I was reading in my show notes some of the reviews of the Philadelphia book, and one of them mentions that towards the end of the review that the reviewer really found an even-handedness in the work that you and your editing partner edited here about Philadelphia and celebrates the series uh, what you've already done around the Dominican Republic and Washington, D.C. And uh, it is great to have a series that's not only uh, a geographic kind of, you know, chest-thumping view of what we have to be proud of in terms of our contribution to America and different places, but also to look at from the earliest settlement here in the, in the colonial period, the Italian influence on thinkers, on architecture, on culture, on life. And so the series has been very, very well reviewed. Before we jump into Philadelphia, do you have another one brewing? Is there another place that you're looking to turn your attention for the series? No, not, not yet. But uh, I will have uh, next year the, the Italian edition of the Italian Legacy in Philadelphia book. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy because uh, the most prestigious, important, uh, maybe Italian uh, publishing company, which is also a cultural institute, Treccani, uh, Treccani, more than one year, uh, 100 years ago, started the Italian Encyclopedia. It's very uh, prestigious and serious uh, uh, publishing institution decided to, to print uh, the Italian edition. You know, we have a listener, Eric Lucero, who just wrote a book about the people from Bicari outside of Foggia who settled in um, Philadelphia. He did a magnum opus. It's in Italian and English. He did it together with his cousins. They mapped out the migration patterns from Bicari to Philadelphia. So I'm offline. We definitely need to get you guys together. But 
This seems to be the year of Philadelphia and Italian American books. Philadelphia is a very Italian city. Um, if you think they have a center city, which is a translation of an Italian expression, centro città, it's very different than uh, an American downtown because in a center city, in a centro città, you live, uh, you shop, uh, you work. Uh, it's a very uh, European and Italian uh, concept, a way of living, very different uh, from any other experience uh, uh, in, the, in the US. Uh, in Philadelphia, you have a great Italian-American community, very di diversified, and uh, sometimes, uh, even if they do love Italy, they are not so aware of all the connections with Italy, with Italian-American, with Italian culture that they have. So that's how all this project uh, started, because there is a, a lot of richness and uh, the need to remember those stories, um, these examples, these influences, in order to appreciate more the city of Philadelphia, but also to appreciate more what Italians and Italians American did. And, uh, and that's important. So all these studies, I think, are important in that perspective. Do you think that's the case because Philadelphia is like the oldest American city? Like Philadelphia and Boston were much more important cities early on in American history than New York was. Do you feel the antiquity and the connection with Europe in that sense? Like you mentioned the center city, but... Are there other aspects of Italianness that you find in Philadelphia that you didn't see, for instance, in maybe New York or in Chicago or in Boston? Uh, I think that the Italian experience in Philadelphia is perceived uh, everywhere, from the architectural structure of the city, the, the Italian neighborhood, um, the big amount of Italian-American population that settled there, how they interacted with the earlier settlers. Uh, of Pennsylvania, and uh, that created uh, a very interesting mixture. So it, it was a magic experience. Of course, uh, there are great Italian-American communities in, in other parts of the East Coast, as, as you mentioned. But uh, uh, since Philadelphia was also the first capital, Philadelphia attracted uh, a lot of love for arts, for culture, uh, for um, creating very nice and uh, well-built buildings. So the, the Italian experience was able to permeate uh, all these aspects. And, uh, and you see Italian craftsmanship uh, in buildings, uh, paintings, uh, um, in, in music, uh, in the theaters. Uh, Italy is everywhere, the, the, the opera house, the, uh, of Philadelphia is a kind of a copy, an insp inspiration of the Milan famous uh, uh, Milanese theater La Scala. Um, being being the, the first capital helped to, to attract uh, uh, all uh, all these, these, these energies, this 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 idea, and they are still there. You know, it's funny because I, when I was at NIAF, we worked on a project with the White House Historical Association of the Italian influence in Washington and in the White House, I should say. Mm -hmm. But with so much of what we were talking about, the White House is synonymous with the presidency, but the building didn't come, obviously, until later. 
and as you say, the first capital was in Philadelphia. And I think that Philly, because of the Declaration of Independence, the Liberty Bell, all of the founding mythology is the sort of you know center of the American Revolution, although Boston would probably claim it too. But my point being, one of the most important influences I think that Italy has had here in the United States before there was an Italy and before there was the United States is the philosophical, right? We talk a lot about Jefferson and Mazzei, and uh, we talk about Benjamin Franklin and uh, Filangieri and all of the philosophy that went into uh, the founding of a very unique experiment at the time, this this republic here in the United States. Can you talk a little bit about the idea of Italy as part of the legacy of the concept of liberty and, and self-government? That's a very important and interesting point, John, because sometimes when we think about Italian-American, we think about just an influence for a definite period of time, the mass migration. But uh, there was other Italians before, uh, even in the colonial period. And uh, not only they came, but uh, with them that they brought books and ideas. And uh, some of the key points uh, of the US American independent, uh, Declaration of Independence, I mean, a milestone in world history, are actually, as you were mentioning, coming from Italian philosophers and thinkers. And sometimes they are overlooked because we think uh, about some other uh, contribution, but uh, this contribution are very part and they are the essence of the American way of life as we think uh, as it is, but sometimes we don't see it. Um, and um, there are also other parts and new immigration coming now to the US. And sometimes they also feel that they are not part of the same wave of migrations and ideas that came before. And it's a pity because uh, in my experience as consul general, as diplomat, I always saw um, kind of same uh, uh, characteristics, very hardworking people, hardworking people, serious, that came, that uh, uh, raised the, the bar of, uh, of the place where, where, where they, they went through hard work, uh, through bringing ideas, uh, and everybody in a different way contributed to the country where they now decided to belong. So from the ideas at, at the beginnings to, to top heart, uh, everything is linked. And what uh, and that was very clear to me in, in Philadelphia. I was happy when the deputy director of one of the top uh, Italian newspaper, Corriere della Sera, came to Philadelphia to see, witness one of the initiative that, that, that I promoted in Italian cultural months. And um, you know, he was a little bit skeptical. He knew a lot the US, it was posted in Washington, New York, so he knew very well. Then he came to Philadelphia and, and the title, he wrote a two pages article, so big stuff. And the title was From Rocky to Botticelli, Italian Philadelphia. Mm. And, and, and I love the title because the Botticelli, I mean, very noble, sophisticated Renaissance painter at the Philadelphia Museum of Art, together with Rocky, Rocky Balboa. And uh, actually they, they are together because if you're familiar with the movie and the city, I mean, there is a statue of Rocky at the footsteps uh, of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. So they are linked. 
and they brought uh, a contribution which is really at the core of the identity of the city. And sometimes it's overlooked, but it's Italian, it's Italian-American, and they are together. So sometimes we are overlooking the contribution of these books, of Filangeri, uh, of Mazzei, of this um, Italian that came to the US uh, near the founding fathers, uh, and, and they were part uh, of some of the crucial point of the world and US history. And sometimes we, we don't recognize it. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. No, often we don't. I think it gets overlooked a lot, and I think um, history is told in oversimplified ways and so you know i don't think people recognize that it was almost 100 years later right uh, 80 some odd years later after the american revolution that italy went through its own unification in 1860 61 mm-hmm. uh, and eventually and you know still through 66 with venice and 1871 with rome but i don't think people realize that there have been diplomatic ties and influences long before. One of the things we do with the Constantinian order that I, I think is really interesting is we've been doing research into the diplomatic relations between the former kingdom of the two Sicilies and the United States, including which cities had consulates. And do you know offhand, having served as the council general in Philadelphia, which of the pre-unitary states or, or which might have been the, the oldest to have had diplomatic or consular representation in, uh, yeah. in Philly? No, that, that, that's another amazing story. Actually, my first chapter uh, on the Philadelphia book is it's the history of the Italian consulate and uh, the, the consular presence. So I was fascinating to, to discover that one of the first was, uh, uh, was Genoa, um, was um, Count uh, Joseph Ravara, and uh, he was working in one of the top... Uh, commercial firm in Philadelphia, which was the most important trading company in the world, one of the most important trading company at the time. And uh, so Genoa, because I mean, as Columbus, it's clear uh, why, why Genoa, but also the, the Papal State and uh, Kingdom of Sardinia and uh, a lot of, the first was, was Genoa, but some others came. And uh, another fascinating story is that, uh, the, and it's also in the book, uh, it's a chapter written by Salman Gioni of Jefferson University. And there is a small chapter about the fascinating story of the brother of Garibaldi. And uh, he was consul in, uh, in Philadelphia and uh, he died uh, uh, there. And, uh, um, and also the death of, of, of that brother influenced uh, Garibaldi to take uh, the, the choices, the hierarchic choices that he decided and then, then, then to take. So even, even in one big part uh, of Italian history, and actually what history, Garibaldi, there, there is a, a Philadelphia connection and a, a, a consular collection. So uh, I'm very happy that, that you're finding, uh, funding these researches because uh, they're extremely interesting and a lot of uh, interesting stuff might come up. It brings us to the, the way you 
and your team framed the book is to split it into four parts to give kind of a, a broad, I don't want to say chapters, because the chapters is not the chapters, broad outline. Sections, yeah. Yeah, sections, mm-hmm. uh, phases of the Italian legacy in Philadelphia, the first being independence in the early republic, uh, the then new institutions of knowledge, arts, culture, then made in America around immigration and community formation, and finally, the contemporary experience in Philadelphia. So let's talk a little bit about the idea of the, that second phase, of the sort of evolution uh, around what it meant to be cultured, because I think we have this understanding that uh, for European families of influence, of, of wealth or notoriety or merchant families or families who saw themselves as social climbers, the idea was that what we now do in university and high school, they did in the Grand Tour. And, and obviously Italy was at the heart of it, and so much of Italy was at the heart of it. But uh, in the book, it speaks about the idea that the early Americans in places like Philadelphia also engaged in the Grand Tour. How represented were early Philadelphians in those travels, and what did they bring back? It's, it's a great question. Uh, Philadelphians were, were fascinated by, um, by culture um, because uh, how, how Philadelphia was framed by, by the first settler, by William Penn. Um, so there is a great attention to that dimension. And um, through great uh, scholars, we discovered how many trips they made uh, and uh, how many um, correspondences that they, they had uh, with Italian uh, um, Italian colleagues uh, in the art uh, in the art world, and uh, they the Italian model was actually the model that they used uh, also to teach art uh, in the new academies uh, of the new capital of the U.S., so the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, um, one of the top uh, cultural institutions now and at the time, uh, bought uh, uh, a lot of Italian paintings in order, um, and also Italian statues, in order to teach uh, to their students that model of art. So there was a decision to take uh, the, the Italian art as a way to teach uh, to the students, so to, to influence, was a big way of influence uh, uh, people, how to like uh, and perceive uh, uh, arts. And uh, big uh, uh, institutions such as Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania um, University Museum of Art it was inspired by Italian models. So, um, at that time, there was a choice, and, and they made a choice to look uh, um, at, at that uh, uh, Italian model. So it, it's fascinating how you can you can still see it uh, while you, you walk uh, uh, in the streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I I was I've recently been reading, or I've recently been listening to an audio uh, audio book, uh, a book that I read long ago by David Gilmore called The Pursuit of Italy. And uh, I'm just about at the Risorgimento period and the idea of kind of what the definition of Italy meant to its places and peoples. And he mentions at the outbreak of the first wars of independence in northern Italy, a lot of foreign observers were shocked at how 
what they saw as a superior culture in Italy could have been under separate governance and, and foreign domination from Austria for so long. And he's talked about it throughout the book, this idea that from the fall of Rome until reunification, even though Italy's political and governmental situation was, was fractured and, and ever-changing, the concept from the outside world was always that Italy was a place of superior culture. It was the, it was the more refined, the more advanced, the, the more forward-thinking in the world. And I think for an American population in the early parts of this republic, that was always the idea of Italy until mass migration really hits and starts to pick up after unification between the 1870s, 90s, and into the 1920s when Italy's poor and struggling are coming here in some of the largest numbers ever to the United States, are, you know, four and a half million uh, of them. Can you talk about what the early immigration experience, you know, the, the, the big wave of immigration, the, that classical era that we talk about in the 1890s, what was it like for those people that came in the big boom uh, coming into Philadelphia? How were they received and, and what did they sort of set up? Yeah, it's... Um, uh, I, I, I witnessed... Uh, um, few of these uh, waves, uh, I mean, what, what they, they had to endure, what they had to pass in few places. But one of the most emotional for me and, and my kids and, and my wife, I was uh, in Mononga, West Virginia, uh, at the border with uh, Pennsylvania. And um, in Mononga, uh, we had uh, one of the biggest mining tragedy in the world, and definitely maybe the second one um, for, for the Italians uh, um, in the world. Uh, the, the other is Marcinelli, imagine. Um, Why I'm talking about Mononga, I cried, and we all cried, I'm still a little emotional when, when, you, when you hear about the, the story of people exploited. Uh, and uh, kids uh, that were uh, killed uh, uh, during the, the, the mining tragedy because even toddlers, they, they were not officially, but they were working in the mining. Wow. So I, I think we have to, to, to take a big respect for the mass migration because these people, I mean, that they changed the continent, uh, that they changed everything, language, uh, way of living, uh, and uh, at the beginning, I mean, there were a lot of people that actually did not think to settle. So they were going and during this terrible um, trip across the ocean, then they were coming back and then eventually they decided to, to settle. So with great respect, uh, I'm talking about this mass migration. And it's the more evident because of the numbers, but uh, the, they... As the first settlers, I mean, and as the researchers that are, uh, or the doctors, scientists that are coming now, they were the same. That they brought uh, a desire of creating a better place uh, to bring the best of their culture. And culture is not only Botticelli, it's not only Renaissance painting. Culture is also built uh, a nice, uh, properly made uh, house for, for, for your family and for others, or a beautiful church. That's also culture. Food, uh, I mean, healthy, healthy meal uh, with uh, uh, respect of the tradition is also culture. So um, 
the mass migration that, that they that they endure a very difficult uh, situation, but uh, some of them, most of them, were able to to assimilate uh, and have success uh, uh, in, in the U.S. Uh, some of them had terrific success, some others not. But uh, as a group, I think that they they eventually had uh, had a success. But uh, it was not always. I mean, like. Uh, we are we are seeing now. I mean, the, the respect uh, and the success had to be earned. Uh, I met uh, a great friend of mine in Philadelphia. He's an engineer. He created uh, a one thousand engineers uh, uh, company. He was the head of the U.S. Engineering Association, and, and his uh, parents uh, were working in, in the mining. Uh, Neil Scranton. So, I mean, success in America, but also, um, um, I, I mean, the success was, was created with, uh, um, with, with a lot of work and a lot of difficulties. And uh, why, if you think, uh, um, now some people see it as a, a controversial figure, and I think it's not, uh, Christopher Columbus. Uh, Christopher Columbus, why was it recognized uh, as a federal holiday? Because out of respect uh, uh, of the some tragedies that occurred to, to Italian Americans. So uh, Columbus was celebrated as a way to uh, put Italian American in the, the fabric. Um, of a founding element uh, of the US. So of course, Italian American could have not been assimilated with uh, uh, pilgrims or the founding fathers, but to these uh, uh, mythological figures of a discoverer of, of the two worlds. So th that's, that's, why, uh, that's why Columbus, and actually um, Columbus, that's another uh, amazing story that, was, that I discovered. Uh, thanks to, to this book. Uh, Columbus in the US is called Columbus and not Colón as the Spanish. There was a Congress in Philadelphia and uh, they, they kind of debated uh, in a very spirited way. I'm not sure they fight, but the Italian American community and the Spanish American community and the Italians prevailed. And it's uh, an interesting story by Steve Korn, uh, a professor uh, of uh, Miami University in Ohio. And um, it's extremely interesting what, what, what you wrote. You know, you bring up the figure of Columbus, and, you know, obviously we've done a lot of episodes on the current controversy and debates, and um, I think I, many of our listeners have already listened to the work we've tried to do from an objective perspective. And if not, if you're a new listener, we certainly invite you back into our episode archive to hear what we've done. But it is uh, in only the past few days as of this recording that uh, it was decided that the Columbus statue in the city of Philadelphia uh, has to stay because of its relationship to the Italian-American community, went to court, went to appeals, uh, the mayor had it under a red, white, and green box. And as uh, for those who are supportive of the statue, it was a great victory for them to be able to uh, take down the box, as they've been saying. It's been all over Italian-American social media in the past few days. But it brings to bear, for me, a question more pertinent to the, the episode, which is that 
case rested on the idea that there was a community that was represented within the city of Philadelphia, within the borders of the city, by that statue, that figure, that history. So the question becomes now, all of these decades later, or a century even, uh, as Italian-Americans have uh, integrated, assimilated, moved to different places, what is the state of Italian-American life like in the city of Philadelphia today? What is there from the early immigrant experience that has survived and thrived throughout? And what's new and what's coming into Philadelphia today from Italy? It's extremely interesting. There are several components of the, the Italian-American community. And... Um, First of all, we are talking about really big numbers because uh, uh, I think 10% uh, of the population uh, in Philadelphia, according to the U.S. census, is uh, from Italian-American origin. But wow. if you just cross the Delaware River and you go to South Jersey, uh, you have counties where uh, you have 40% uh, of people of Italian origin and you really feel it. Um, so, you know, the, 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 as typical Italian-American, South Philly, a lot of them, then they moved to, to South Jersey. And um, so you, you have that, uh, that component. Then you have uh, the young doctors, heads uh, and meds, uh, uh, consultants, lawyers coming from Italy. Um, you have different components. So it's difficult to see what's going on in the Italian-American community because you have several communities, several layers, and sometimes these layers are not all the time interacting as they could, uh, as they, could uh, they should, because, um, because it's also in, in their interest, I think, uh, should have been in their interest to, to interact a little bit more. And the third component of this dialogue, which I tried to, to, to promote while I was there, is with uh, the friends, what I was calling the friends of Italy. So people not ethnically linked with Italy, but uh, loving the dis uh, different uh, aspects uh, of uh, what is Italian uh, in the US and what's Italian. And, and so to see how to bring all these components together. Uh, and uh, as, as a young, uh, I mean, uh, Italian-American, as, as, as you are, John, uh, I mean, uh, considering, I think you're the first, uh, the youngest uh, president of NIAF, you, you might see that it's not always easy to connect uh, uh, the young generation to, to the roots. Um, so one way, uh, it's one of my thoughts uh, uh, that was put in, in the book, uh, is that also linking to contemporary Italy, uh, linking to that culture, it's a way to put together young generation, old generation, the heritage of the mass migration, the ideas that came to the first settlers with the founding fathers, bringing together again Rocky and Botticelli and, and everything and, uh, and also bringing contemporary Italy. And I think if we do that, it's what I try to do with our events, but also try to 
put in writing with that book. If we do that, we, we discover uh, a rich Italian-American experience uh, in Philadelphia, at least. And um, we have a broader sense of community and uh, different things that we can learn from the different components. And also maybe we are able to see that the important things, important stuff, it's uh, always the same for for the different uh, aspects of, of our community and the community is really well. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. The new Italian immigration. Yes. You're so right. Because I think it is so deep because I'll, I'll give my my opinion on it. It's a class. It's number one. The number one problem is a class issue. Because before the poorest people from the South immigrated to the United States, and now you have the hyper-educated kids from money, money of them, the well-to-do from Italy, especially the North, and they don't even like each other in Italy. <laughs> so why were they going to... So I think that that's why you have so many of them come here and there's this, this, this conflict of, you know, these are not real Italians or these are Southern people and they can only speak a dialect, they can't speak Italian, and they left in the 1950s and they think Italy's in the 1950s. But I think it's a much deeper, a much more fun episode they brought so much over familiar. One thing also was a, a sense of classism. And I love this because to me, it's so much. Italy has not died. Italy is still so very much alive. The good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful. And it still winds up on our shores. Uh, I think we have to, to have a cat. So the, the idea, we have so much in common, uh, much more than... Uh, than anything else. And uh, uh, if um, we have a situation where it doesn't appear like that because uh, we don't know enough what uh, all that stuff, all the history, all the culture, uh, all the tradition that link us. So I, I think that's why it's important uh, to tell the stories. And all the different sections are linked. Um, for instance, uh, the, there was a poor uh, boy uh, that uh, uh, came to Philadelphia. Um, he, he worked uh, uh, in hotels, uh, um, did all, all the work. And at the end, I mean, he was manager, uh, kind of manager, a little bit less than one of the top hotels of Philadelphia. He never went to college, of course, never went to high school, but uh, he understood how important culture is. Uh, and he founded the first chair of Italian studies at the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, that guy, the man, the hero is uh, Mariano De Vito. And when he, when he died, nobody knew that he left, I think, $2 million uh, in, in the 70s um, to University of Pennsylvania because he understood how important it was for Italian-American to be in that place uh, where now, I mean, kids uh, uh, from Italy are, are going to, 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 to study. And actually, where I studied and a scholarship when, when I was uh, younger. So that, that was important. And University of Pennsylvania, for instance, that's another story in the book uh, at the beginning. They accepted the donation, but uh, they did not establish the chair and the center. And uh, there was a revolt in the Italian-American community 
uh, again, I mean, uh, some Philadelphia driven uh, working class people that they wanted the chair, they wanted the, the, the will of Mariano De Vito to be respected. And they were able eventually to uh, fund, uh, I mean, to, to, to have funded this Italian American uh, chair and, and center. And so, yes, there are disconnections, but in the history, in, in also in our time, we see that these two dimensions, they are linked. Uh, oh, they're uh, totally linked. I agree with you. I just think it's just like Italy. Because if you if you take America from an anthropological Italian American communities, um, you go into someone's house, and I says in many episodes, and you're overwhelmed by food, right? You have a table that's full of food. Why? Because we're farmers. Our brains are made just like farmers. So I don't have money, but I have all the casa cavallo you're ever going to want to eat, right? So I I I smother you, I bury you under sausage and olives and casa cavallo. They're the immigrants that we got here. So the Italian-American culture is not a mirror of Italian culture. It's a mirror of a Southern Italian agricultural culture of the 19th century. So that's that's what I feel that that we are. That's the basis of how we we evolved. That's the place that we evolved from where the new. And I think it's kind of fun. I don't I don't see it as a negative. No, but 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 it's it's just a part. I mean, it's a mosaic. Yeah, it's a mosaic. Yes. So yes, what you're saying is true, but the same people, I mean, that love Cacciocavallo from South Philadelphia are the ones that fought to have the center of Italian study at UPenn. So- Oh, yeah, see, I don't see, I don't see it as a conflict though. Exactly. But there's some people from Italy who do. And I kind of find there's, a, there's an entertainment factor. John, save me on this one. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that I've experienced. I think, first of all, you know, from my time at NEF and projects all over the country to what we do here, I've always been very aware that we need to put effort in in the Italian-American community to better understanding our history. Experiences like you talk about with the, the, the founding of the Italian-American Studies Chair and this revolt of the population who, you know, they, they didn't make that gift. It was made by an individual, but it, it said something about them and that they wanted the right thing done. I think that's a fantastic story. I'm fascinated to, to learn more. So there's a part that is resp the responsibility of the Italian-American community, but there's also a big part that's the responsibility of Italy, uh, not just the population and the media and the institutions, but I think an awareness of the relationship was not always one way, right? I think when people think of Italian immigration, or, or I should say Italian emigration to all these parts of the diaspora, I think they think here went our, our poor and our farmers and our uh you know, are undereducated, and they went and they made their life better. But that's not the whole story. I think modern Italy has to do a better job. And I and I will say, even having you on here as somebody from the diplomatic corps, it really does start at the institutional level, right? Teaching modern Italians that the diaspora has given so much back to Italy, starting with financial contributions being sent back by all of these people, many of whom were sending remittances to their family in Italy that were a, a significant part of the Italian economy in those times. I don't think people even understand how significant. And then into the post-war period and the Marshall Plan and how much Italian-Americans advocated for Italy to get the best treatment, the fights that were there in the Italian-American community for Italy to be represented, even though it had been an enemy combatant for a portion of the, of the conflict. You know, this a lot of this 
is the legacy of Italian America going back and contributing to Italy. And I don't think that that's understood or even, frankly, uh, unveiled in modern Italy, and I, and then therefore it can't be appreciated. So I think that it goes both ways. We have to understand this is a diaspora, and like the ambassador says, a mosaic of different experiences all over the world. And not just that we should look at each other in that kind of open and empathetic way because it is good for our, you know, Italianità, our sense of Italianness. It's good business. It's good networking. It makes sense. In a global world, uh, other diasporic communities thrive having these communities uh, abroad. But that's the beauty of Italy. Where are you from in Italy, if I may ask? I'm from Pavia, near, near Milano. Oh, wow. So there was many different. So that had to be really fascinating because you came from a, you came from even a different Italy. No, you, it's, it's a mosaic. But I was agreeing with, with John while he was saying that we need a better understanding. Uh, also because it makes sense. Um, because I think that Italy and Philadelphia perfect together. That was one of my slogan. And uh, from all these uh, similarities, uh, history, uh, friendship and love, I mean, opportunities might and should rise. And uh, we can be living bridges uh, between history and future and between the two continents. So the, 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 there is an interest. So that's why it's important. Uh, and, and because, uh, I mean, the book, uh, uh, it's not only history, but you witness what the different components of the Italian-American community and the friends of Italy and Italy, we did uh, while I was in Philadelphia, thanks to the Italian embassy in Washington that uh, helped us and following the direction to create uh, a plan to bring together all these dimensions of Italian uh, Italianicity in the city. So the book is part of a dialogue um, because of what John was saying. I mean, we, we need a dialogue because these two components because uh, we need to understand uh, what happened uh, in order to understand which that big opportunities that we have in front of us if we uh, really grasp uh, um, what happened uh, and what is linking us. I'm passionate about that. Well, I always found in my time getting to collaborate with you or around you that your passion was partnered with an incredible respect for our community here in Italian America and our legacy. And, and I always appreciated that. So first of all, I want to say a great Grazie to you for not just uh, the book, which is amazing, and I really hope everybody goes out and gets a copy because it's 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 unlike a lot of uh, the other books out there. And I I have the DC version here in my library and uh, the Philadelphia version in my moving boxes. John, how come you didn't get me a copy? You always get me copies. I was given the books actually by uh, I forget who gave it to me. Now don't embarrass, don't embarrass me on the. I will get I'll, you. A copy. I'll go How out and that? buy it. That's all right. <laughs> I, but I, I'm usually on top of these things. Yeah, I have a copy. You, you, now, you are good at that. You say you, you got a copy, and I'm like, I don't got a copy. <laughs> I'll make sure next time That's, I'm ordering you know, two. Sorry, two order two. Uh, I'll, give I will you make sure. I'll give you the money. Don't worry. <laughs> I know you will. I know you're good for it. I got. I I'm think I. I'm in, money. I think I'm still Andre, indebted. If you take our ledger, I think I'm indebted to you. I you always pay for stuff. But but needless to say, for the book, but also for the uh, 
the effort and energy you brought in, in your diplomatic positions here and, and the respect and affection you've shown uh, because it's not always the case that we get that from the diplomatic corps. So it's meant a lot to, I know, many of my colleagues in the city of brotherly love and, and to me uh, getting to be around and I hope to the audience gets to see it here uh, when, when and, they hear this. Because and Andrea, we're going to come with you as your assistants when you do the other books. Yeah, I'm in. Keep keep them in the Caribbean. I don't want to go to see the Italians. <laughs> don't go to like the Italians of Iceland. I'm gonna plan that one. Mexico, that's warm. It's gotta be three or four in Aruba. Well, I have to say it's uh it's a great coincidence that as we're recording this, unfortunately I have to step away because I am on my way to Philadelphia tonight to see some of my uh former colleagues and uh a mutual friend of ours, the one and only Joe Del Rosso, the oh, chair. Say, chair say hi to him. Yeah, I yeah, sure yeah. will. I think the last time I might have seen you was at an event with him. I don't know. Was I think wedding so. Yes. Something yes. Like that. yes. Yeah. Who do you think loves Philly more, Joe Del Rosso or Gabe? May he rest in peace. That's a great question. Those are two very proud Philadelphians. Very proud Philadelphians. <laughs> yes, very proud Philadelphians. And yeah. They, they, they are both in the book. Oh, there you go. That's all. That's what. That's all that counts. Then, yeah. If the if they they if I had to pick two people from Philly, uh, and Amato Berardi too, by the way, who served as our representative in the Italian Chamber of Deputies for many many years, and is a great friend. And well, uh, Joe, if Joe Del Rosso's in the book, he'll be signing them instead of you, Andrea. <laughs> he'll be handing them out to people with his name. He'll he'll have it in the uh, Union League. That might be like, where I got like it. Like the Gospel in the Vatican. You have candles burning in front of it. <laughs> we have a chapter. We have a chapter about uh, Italy in the Union League, and it's a strange. Oh, it's you made one. him a happy man. Yeah. Well, well I, I'm, I'm an honorary still, and uh, I was member, and I'm an honorary member of the Union League. I love the Union League, and uh, uh, we we did a lot of events in in the Union League. Uh, putting the Italian flags. And uh, the, there was a UPAN, U.S. of Pennsylvania professor that called me crying. And uh, um, because of this Italian flag uh, flying in front of the Union League, because I said, you, you know, Andrea, when, when I used to go to, to Pearl Street with my father, he told me, well, that's the place of the big guys. You will never be able to enter that place. And so, uh, of course, now it's, that person's top professor and uh, he can be members. But the idea for that person to see the Italian flag in front of the Union League was, wow. Yeah. Uh, something something happened. And actually, it's an interesting chapter, about the one about the Union League. And I'll be at the Union League tonight. And uh, so that, that's a great, it's a great coincidence that we're doing this today. And you're absolutely right. Think about, if you want to really understand the legacy of what has come in this country, this is a great resource for it, for a phenomenal city, but the idea that those places that once wouldn't even consider an Italian for membership uh, now have so been taken by our hard work, our dedication, our accomplishments, and the legacy of Italy that we represent. They want to be us now. They, they might. That's right. Their great-grandfathers would let us in the back door. Yep. And their kids now are studying semesters in Siena. <laughs> that's it. There you go. So that, who yeah. got the last laugh? <laughs> That's absolutely right. Yes. Right. Italy conquers countries with bowls of pasta and bottles of wine. We don't and need paintings tanks. and music and art. You're right. Yeah, we have right. music and art. We're a post-military world. I mean, we have uniforms on our military because they look nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like who looks better than a carabinieri in a parade? But we don't need uh, <laughs> make fusilli, not war. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> go out, especially you Philly people. Go out, buy the book, read the book, and give the book to your friends and family. 
yeah. for birthdays, and your, and your institutions, Day, Father's your Day, libraries. Day. Yeah, if you're your in local love with a girl from Philly or a guy from Philly, give them the book. Yes, yeah, absolutely right. It's, it's right. a great gift. Yeah, great gift. It's you can a, put a big yeah. heart on the inside. I love you. Read, enjoy the book. Brotherly love, city Brotherly of love. love. That's right. Well, from all of us at the Italian American Podcast, we hope you've enjoyed this wonderful visit with the great representative of the Republic of Italy and a great friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hold on, hold on, John. Are you? Out oh, of you didn't get the warning. <laughs> I didn't give you your John, warning. I mean, are you serious? Are you losing it here? I know you want to go to. Hold on. Really taking to that. See that you're born an Italian. If you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano and...